It is great to be back with you fellas, with you, Michael and Sam. Great to be with you. And JJ has transformed into a woman today. And just, uh, so today. It's a, just for today. So it's a fellowette. It's a fellow, <laughs> a yes. Fellow-ess. Great to be with you, fellow lady. Hello. hello. Carrie Hunter, ladies and gentlemen. Carrie is a wonderful theologian, Aww. and uh, there are many funny stories I could tell about Carrie right now, but instead we're going to yeah. talk about sin, which is not connected to you at all, right, no, Carrie? No, not at all, except <laughs> for the time that I train, I train myself beneath a train filled with toxic waste, because anytime I meet a new person and Tim's there, he tells everyone about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's a Did great... Did I ever tell you, Carrie used to work for Greenpeace. <laughs> that's a great thing. Um, Did you really? Yeah, I, did. I, ch- I literally chained myself beneath a train filled with toxic waste, and she was arrested for it. And her well, picture, so. her picture was in the newspaper. <laughs> I was on CNN and in the New York Times in a little tiny picture of me in Time magazine. And a lot of times when people will 19. say that was before I met Jesus, but she actually was doing that. Post-Jesus. I would like to see those pictures. I would like an autographed copy of one. Yeah. I've seen them. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah, I did. Send yeah. you a link to that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, I think you're more uh, passionate for Christ now, probably even than you were passionate for Greenpeace. Okay. Then, um, would you say? Without a doubt. Are you still a tree hugger? No, she's actually, a Jesus hugger. Oh. No. I'm a Jesus hugger, and I like to just randomly cut down trees to uh, to to show that I'm not a tree hugger. So. Y'all aren't speaking right. very ironically, tree huggers. Yeah, well, it's because it's true. We're not the the hicks like you are, brother. All right. <laughs> oh man. Well, so we have sinned already. I'm sure on this broadcast multiple uh, times <laughs> in multiple ways. Uh, but. F- so as we approach this topic, I think it is a topic that probably all of us, even as we read Scripture, we still scratch our head a little bit, wondering as we, as all of us should take in the entirety of Scripture to really know what God's counsel is, His entire counsel on a topic. But when God looks at our world, when He looks at us individually, does He consider some of our sins to be of lesser degree than other sins? Are there some sins that are committed on planet Earth that are a really, really big deal? And then other sins, maybe like taking the pens from your office and you forget that it was in your pocket, but then when you realize it was in your pocket, you still keep it and you still use it, and that could be stealing. That is stealing. I have a sneaking suspicion. <laughs> <laughs> that some subconscious theft is coming to the surface in Tim and that he took some pins from Credo I'm when he sure. worked here. Yeah, I'm okay. Sure. And he's basically, in a roundabout way, trying to confess. I think I did just confess. I think I got <laughs> close enough. I got close enough. Yeah, so so how do we, uh, How do what what verses do we turn to uh, as, as all of us are listening into this? Uh, Michael, how do you start processing this? What verses do you go to um, as you, you consider our other sins, are some sins greater than others, and what do you do with those? What do you do with the little sins? What do you do with the big sins? Well, you know, we're, we're still talking about sin in this broadcast, and we're moving to a very specific thing that I think is is so important. And I think this this broadcast may, may do something shocking for a lot of people in our audience, especially okay. evangelicals. Okay. I think the uh, probably Eastern Orthodox or or uh, uh, Roman Catholic group will say, "Wow, I can't believe there are evangelicals that are saying what they're saying." Because I pretty, th- I, I think we're all in agreement upon this. But the question is, as we talk about sin and as we move to talk about personal sin, is this: 
are all sins equal in the sight of God? Mm. And I've heard this, I don't know how many times you guys have heard this, but I hear it continually. Mm. Um, I hear it in our close-knit circles. I hear it at churches from the pulpit. And it is usually in some type of evangelical speech where you're proclaiming the gospel and you're telling people to come to Christ and to say, listen, you may have done this and you may have done that. No matter how big your sins are to God, all sins are equal. And it, it, it's, it has this very uh, appealing design to it. And I understand what they're saying whenever they say this, but Whenever, whenever you ask me the question, and uh, as we move through the discussion, are all sins equal in the sight of God? I think if you answer yes to this, you are damaging the character of God, and you are trivializing sin. Both. Yeah, and, and here's the here's the question. Even before we jump into this, is why do people want to say that in the first place? And I think, I think part of it is is that evangelicals, Bible believers, have brought it upon themselves. Because mm. let's be honest, there are certain sins that we tend to highlight, that we tend to denounce more readily. And I mean, let's just be real concrete and specific here. Over the past several years, um, it has. We've talked, for example, about the sin of abortion, or we've talked about homosexuality, yeah, a lot about that, um, or um, something something else maybe related to our sexual behavior. And I think there's this pushback from a lot of others who say, wait a minute, what about gluttony and what about uh, lying and what about uh, dishonesty? And, and their point is we need to stop holding up certain sins as if they're somehow unique in the sight of God. They're more um, more damning than other sins. So there's a, there's a sense in which we have contributed to this approach by the fact that we have tended to get on a hobby horse, as it were, of certain sins, and we've ridden it into the ground. Yeah. Kerry, mm. do you see the appeal of saying all sins are equal in the sight of God? Um, do I see the appeal of it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I see um, it just to level the field to where it's just trying to say, and I, I think it's well intended by people who are presenting it that way to say to kind of put people to disarm people to say no matter what you've done um jesus will forgive you for it and all of these things and i i, I don't want to actually uh jump the gun here but to say all of these things put you or, or they separate you from god and all the, sin and the does, ground of the cross but yeah is level. but, but yeah. right that so I, I see the appeal i just don't see the soundness in it and i think you you know you i don't see the I think you need to be true to Scripture, and you can let people know that whatever they've done, God is there to, you know, forgive them for it. But you don't have to diminish, you know what I mean? You yeah, don't yeah, 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 because the point so, is we people want to know that they are not beyond the pale of forgiveness. Absolutely. That, mm -hmm. that all sins can do be we, forgiven. Do we get this from Scripture? Is there anything in Scripture that might suggest... Because I think people in our audience are thinking in their mind, and they're coming up yeah. with some particular passages, passages yeah. and mm -hmm. saying, "Wait a minute, we don't. This isn't a folk theology, as we sometimes call right. it, that we're just inheriting. But we read the scripture, and it does seem like there are particular passages of scripture that say all sins are equal. Mm -hmm. Is well, there any place? I don't know of any. Well, if you broke one law, you broke them all. Maybe uh, that yeah. kind of that one. Mm -hmm. In James, yes. That, yeah. But that again, that's if. He's thinking, no, I can't think of any because he's thinking contextually and like there's nothing there. Well, you know, I, but... I think you can make a case maybe like Romans 6.23, maybe the wages of sin is death. So you could say like in the 
it's not saying the wages of really bad sin is death, but it's just the wages right. of sin is death. So, well, for example, if I can take off on that, Tim, yeah. good point. Any one sin can incur eternal condemnation and puts yeah. us in jeopardy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the idea, somebody says, well, uh, you know, I've only committed small sins such as, um, you know, I yelled at my kids or I ran a stop sign on the way to work today. And, uh, and others will say... Now, Sam, you jumped on me. Are these all subconscious things that you're bringing out right I'm now? I'm an empty nester, so I didn't <laughs> yell at my kids. And no, I did not run a stop sign. Okay. Well, okay. I have in the past, but not today. <laughs> Did you float a stop sign? <laughs> but I asked forgiveness immediately as I went through it on the other side. Um, but, but the point is, it is true. Um, one transgression, even of what we might consider a minor nature, um, immediately puts us in eternal jeopardy. So mm-hmm. uh, th- in that sense, we want to say sins are equal. Well, They're what about equal this? in the effect that it has upon our relationship with God. Well, what about this, guys? I, I look to Matthew chapter 6 and some of the discourses of Christ where he's talking about if you have, um, if you have ever hated your brother, mm-hmm. you have committed murder. So kind of equalizing the hate and the actual act of murder. Yeah. If you've ever looked at a woman with a uh, with lust, you've committed adultery. You've committed adultery, um, and people look at that and say those are equal now. So the act of adultery and the thought of adultery right. are equal in the sight of God. What Therefore, it, all the, sins the, are equal. Of course, that's not what Jesus was saying. Right. Course, but <laughs> we may need to come back. To what's, it, what's the C.S. Lewis quote though? That if you look upon a, a plate of eggs and ham, you've already committed breakfast with it in your heart. Let's remember for the sake of our listeners, <laughs> Jesus is, is trying to um, rebuke the Pharisees who believe that as long as they abstain from the external act, mm-hmm. what happened internally in their hearts was irrelevant. In They're the, still breaking the commandment. See, yeah, but, but, but Jesus is saying, look, no. Uh, although you restrain, you refrain from actually committing murder, the anger in your heart is a form of murder that is sinful in the sight of God, and but, it's still breaking then, the uh, fifth commandment. Yes, but well, let's let's just take the one on adultery. I've actually heard people say that if adultery is legitimate grounds for divorce, and that's up for debate, um, then every woman who's married has grounds for divorce because every man yeah. is at some time yeah. or another committed lust in his heart. Or, uh, well, every man has grounds, yeah. too, because I say every yeah. woman has. So, so, I mean, th- I mean, so obviously that reveals the absurdity problem. of pressing that mm. point. <coughs> not a, my a, wife. Adultery in the mind uh, is not as serious or grave as actual the physical sexual intercourse with another well, person think who of this. spouse. Put, uh, everybody, put yourself in the position of an unbeliever. Like, you've never heard the gospel. Or you've never mm-hmm. heard it presented clearly. And you're, you're open to it, and you're kind of seeking, or you're just thinking uh, and having a conversation mm-hmm. with the Christian. And a Christian does present this to you. And they say, what was it, floating a stop sign, as we talked about earlier. Uh, the Christian's telling them and saying, listen, all sins are equal in the sight of God. And the guy's processing it. He's going, wow, that's kind of weird. I've never thought about that before. So this this God, the creator God, who you're calling on me to bow down to and love and follow, you're saying that he sees that floating a stop sign is equally as grotesque and heinous mm-hmm. as as raping and murdering yeah. a six-year-old and that, girl. That's just asinine. You yeah. know, it really is. That's well, silly. emotionally it is. Yeah. But maybe yeah. it is. Maybe that's the truth. Maybe that's what Scripture well, I teaches. I think intellectually and emotionally, I think that that's... I don't think Scripture teaches that because I think what that does is it 
um, I mean, it just makes light of the grievousness of certain sins. Certain sins are much more grievous than others. Yeah. You know, a violation of traffic law, you have to go through the sort of hierarchy of ethics to finally get to how it's sinful because you're it maybe violating the government that God has put in place. And that's, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that is nowhere near the same as well, right. um, yelling you know. at your kid, losing your temper and screaming at your kid is sinful and we shouldn't do it. Right. But it's not on the same plane as sexually abusing your kid. Yes. I mean, there, common sense indicates that God is going to view sins uh, differently even as we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now, how about some specific biblical texts? Yeah. Let me give one. John 19, 11. Mm-hmm. All right, Jesus is standing in the presence of Pilate, and um, um, he is, you know, making it very clear that, um, you know, that Pilate only has authority over him because it's been given him from above. And then Jesus says, you would have no, you would have authority, no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you, referring to Judas Iscariot, has the greater sin. So Jesus himself says, Pilate, um, you're a buffoon, basically, and what you're doing is wrong and sinful because you're about to uh, condemn to uh, uh, the cross an innocent man. But Judas's betrayal is even worse. His sin was a greater sin. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that talking about Judas? I always thought it was talking about the Jews, the, the per people who handled I thought it was like the Sanhedrin, he but says, he's right. He who delivered me over to you. I think he has to be talking about Judas Iscariot. It could be, but either way, that's from Christ's lips, and it says greater sin. Greater I mean, what do you sin. do with that whenever you have this theology? And I, it's, I think it's one of these things that is, <coughs> there's a concept in, in theology and philosophy or psychology called anchoring. And it, there, there's a, the first time you hear something and it appeals to you, mm-hmm. you grab a hold of that and you really mm-hmm. hold on to it no matter what without questioning it. It just makes sense. It fits into your worldview to some degree. And there's so many people that are anchored on this that we could read through a passage like that. He who has handed me over to you is guilty of the greater sin and not even think about it and still proclaim all sins are equal. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it goes much further than that in Scripture, too. I think that's the best example. But, I mean, going back to the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, looking at looking at the Levitical Code, no matter what you think about the individual sins in the Levit- Levitical code, code, some of these are described as more heinous than others. Mm-hmm. Well, what about Proverbs? What about uh, uh, the seven deadly sins? Proverbs yeah. 6. Um, I saw that movie. Said there, yeah, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Mm-hmm. And then he lists these things like haughty eyes, lying tongues, hands that shed innocent blood, heart that devises wicked plans, and so on. So he's not saying that other things aren't sinful. But he's saying, you know, th- there are certain things that are uniquely abominable yeah. in the sight of God. Mm. And that's, so that's what we use when we read through the Le- Levitical Code. It will say, this is an abomination to the Lord. Like a false weight. What an odd thing to be yeah. a, but understanding the principle behind it. Here's another yeah. that, That's an example. Here's another one, Matthew 23, 23. Uh, Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of, of the law, law. justice, yeah. mercy, and faithfulness. Um, so he's saying, in effect, all the matters of the law are important. You're obligated to obey them. But you observe these these more trifling matters and pride yourself in your self-righteousness, 
and yet there are weightier matters, more important matters that you ignore. So there he is again differentiating uh, between degrees of importance and sinfulness. And isn't it yeah. the same passage that he talks about? You strain out a gnat yes. and you swallow, swallow a, a camel. camel. If we if we were going according to our theology, we would have to press pause on Christ in that day and say, "Listen, Christ, there's no gnats, there are no camels. It's either all gnats or it's all camels. Or it's all well, all camels naturally because yeah. yeah. everything's a bit, you know." Here's another text. What about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, mm-hmm. Matthew 12. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Well, he's suggesting, saying pretty clearly, that Mm -hmm. whatever blasphemy of the Spirit is, is of such a weightier, more substantial and horrific nature that it alone it qualifies as the only sin for which there is ultimately no forgiveness. Every yeah. other sin can be forgiven. This one can't. You Why? Know, yeah. And, you know, that I was thinking earlier, see, that actually made me clarify something in my own thinking because I was thinking that, well, all sin is equal in the consequence but not in degree. But we can't even say the consequence because all sin can be forgiven except that one. So even even that statement is not well, biblically and, faithful. Yeah, you know? And here's another fault. To follow up on that, Carrie, that in terms of the consequence, what about the fact that there are differing degrees of punishment in hell? There you seem I mean? to be. We, we, we think that that's fairly clear. Why? Well, it's because some sins committed are more grievous, more heinous than others. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's, let's, let's be real specific. Let's take a, a 15-year-old kid who's a, a juvenile delinquent, and he gets drunk, and he, he you know, commits, uh, uh, he robs a car. And he drives off, you know, in a drunken rage and goes into a telephone pole and dies. And he didn't know Christ. That would be stealing a car. Yeah. To rob it would be getting some out of it, but just a technical detail. He's Grand right. theft auto, we there shall call it more technically. GT. All right. Um, th- those are serious crimes and sins. But that certainly is not equal to what Joseph Stalin did or yeah. Pol Pot or Hitler um, and so there are. Di- we would never argue that the degree of suffering for that 15-year-old boy is on the same level or equivalent to that which Paul. Wait a minute. So you're saying then you're saying that there are degrees of punishment in hell? Yeah. Yes. How do we get that? Well, uh, from Jesus said, um, the one who has done this will receive more stripes. You know, and he's yeah. talking about Luke the, chapter twelve, verse forty-seven. And the slave that knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it, and this is talking about intentionality well, and understanding, he who knows mm-hmm. much is yeah. is. Uh, uh, um, uh, Responsible for uh, essentially, much. yeah. And committed the deeds worthy of the flogging will receive a few, but a few. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking of as he was talking about that. Another example is, say, the pagan in the jungle, not to use it, that, but anyway, who's never heard of God and dies. They die in their sin and go to hell. But the person in the Western world who has had an abundance of the gospel pre- presented to them just over and over and over and over. They've stared Christ in the face and they've rejected him. That is much more grievous than yeah. just, I mean, outright yeah. uh, well, rejecting God is inherently It's the principle than, to whom much is given, much is yes. required. God is a just God. And would it not be an, an injustice 
to punish with the same degree. I mean, we have it in our uh, in our own court system. Yeah. Um, the, the guy that fails to pay his traffic tickets might get fined and get 30 days probation, might have his license revoked, uh, but he's not going to be given the electric chair or lethal injection mm-hmm. as over against somebody who's committed murder. Or even manslaughter yeah. versus murder. Right. The degree right. is different. So God is just, and therefore there, I think he, he judges on the basis of the revelation we've received and the nature of our response to it. Yeah. I, well, I think one of the things that we have to realize is that this does go against what we feel in our culture. You know, in our culture, like, my kids get all the same awards. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter who's better than the other. Everybody gets a participation award, you know. And so in our environment in America, 21st century, for me to say, Sam, I've observed a sin in your life that is wicked and is egregious, and I'm uh, in Matthew 18 following that, and I am going to confront you on it, that in our culture you could say, well, who are you? Are you sinless? You know, who are you to to, to come and try and sharpen me? Who are you to, to, to call that out? You know, aren't all of our sins equal in front of God or something, you know? And I think what we have to, is in our politically correct culture that I think we have to lean so much into this that, like, no, there are, as all these verses we brought up, there are so many times where God says, that is wicked, you know, like... Well, then, the, then, then Tim, here's, the here's what... Of abomination. Guys, yeah. guys here's, here's what comes up And we need, to, we need to call that Here, out, Here's too. what our listeners who have grabbed a hold of this and anchored to it, and they're yeah. getting a little bit emotional, and they say, are you saying that some people are inherently better than other people, or they're more deserving than other people? Uh, not to of, the point that they don't need Jesus. So I'd say, man, I need Jesus every day. I need Jesus. Jesus is the only way that I'm going to make it Well, what do you think God. of this, then? What do you think of this? All sin is not equal in the sight of God, but all people are equally depraved, being, as we talked about before, inheritors of a depraved nature and a, an imputed or a condemned nature. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean we act out that condemned nature yeah. to the same degree. Not, we all have it within us to be a Hitler, but we all don't carry out plans for world domination as he did you know what yeah, i mean and that's yeah. jolting i said that once in a kitchen at church at baptist church in georgia i said you know we all have it in us to be hitler and they looked at me like i was crazy and i'm like but no, but no, i think no, what no, happens different. sometimes though is that that stops if you have someone that is sinning in a wicked way around you that it's kind of that idea like the only thing necessary for evil to flourish is for good people to do nothing mm-hmm. you know kind of that idea of um, so, for instance, like there's a lady in our church that her uh, she's carrying a child that has a genetic uh, problem, and the baby's going to die as soon as it's born. And we're walking with this lady through all of this stuff, and it's it's eminently sad, and all of these things. And uh, her mother visited her recently, and her mother said to her, like, I can't wait for this all this to be over and for me to get my daughter mm-hmm. back. Wow. And uh, and I was just like, that was wicked. You know, for for a, a grandmother to say, "I can't wait for my grandbaby to die, so that you can you can not have to care about this anymore." And you know, the you first know, thought I have is, "Is that lady not a believer?" I, and she yeah. very well could be, but that's like but, the first. But thing, either is she not a believer? yeah, but I think either way is us as being sons and daughters of God, as being ambassadors for Christ. Well, that well, part also, of part of I'd say being ambassador for Christ is to step into that. And there have been people that I've told them, I'm mean, like, if you do not repent of the sin. Just know, like you are, you are doing wicked things. Well, you know, and also we mm-hmm. can look at it a little bit differently, yeah. Tim, and look at that lady and say, "Listen, I don't really know what she's gone through. I don't really know what's brought her up to this point. I don't know what the motivations of her heart are. I don't weigh her heart. 
people do wicked things. But in the end, we are saying the acts themselves can be more heinous Mm -hmm. and act out more heinous than the intentions to carry out that act. Or we're not not charging God and Mm -hmm. saying God is up there and he doesn't really care about whether or not you've actually killed a little uh, child or you thought about it. It's no big deal to him or you've run a stop sign. We're saying that God has clearly, and I, I don't think there's many things more clear in Scripture, yeah, the, that, the, there are, the degree that there of, is a of degree Christ. of sin. Absolutely. But, but would you agree with me, though, that then that should inform the way you interact with other people? Yeah, but not so much the way that I think about them. I've got to be saying to, to myself, I don't know what you're going through that has got you to this point, but the point you're at is an abominable point. You know, yeah. it, it, you are committing crossed. wicked actions. Yeah. Now, from a pastoral, it, you're taking this from a pastoral. Mm-hmm. So, what do you, what do you kind of go? Where are you going that in terms of how we relate to other people or address? Like, yeah. do we approach it differently? Different well, people, different. Or? Yeah, I would say. So, I've sat with people that are Christians that say, "I'm leaving my wife and my kids for a younger woman. I know it's terrible. I know it's a sinful thing. Tell my sons, don't act like me when they grow up. You'll be around them. I won't be. Uh, and I'm going to go and and live my life with this young girl and not with the family that I've been leading for the last 20 years. And I look at this man and say, this is very bad for you. Like there were in the Old Testament, I would have been okay to pick up and run you through with a spear. Yeah, you know, I, was I, say, I don't you do just that today. Pretty much punch him and all yeah, Christian loving kindness. Just punch well, him. so what I do is just the punch is not a sin. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do as much as I possibly can for them to see that this sin is not like they just stole a pen from their office. And this is a massive sin that they're committing, yeah. where they should tremble before God and say, "Would you please, please, you know, uh, allow me to make this right?" And so, you approach them differently than you would a non-believer too. That's another thing too. Yes. Like how yeah, you absolutely. Uh, you know, absolutely. So, okay. so coming to conclusion for our audience, are all sins equal in the sight of God? What do we all say? No. Gary, Tim? I'd say all of them equally make us to need Jesus, but they are not equal in how bad they are. Sam? Boom. <laughs> all right. I agree. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Theology Unplugged, let me tell you about some of the other resources we have available. Visit us online at credohouse.org and browse over 2,000 articles on everything from the Crusades to gay marriage. Sign up for email updates and get the latest news, event announcements, and special deals before anyone else. Connect with us on social media. Just search Credo House on Twitter and Facebook. And you can always email us at theologyunplugged at credohouse.org. We want you to be part of the Credo community. Please partner with us in making theology accessible and pushing back the intellectual attack on Christianity. Thank you.